0: Okay, before we get into this juicy episode, I want to share with you a holiday promo that's running for all of the month of December. I am offering $200 off my awakening program. This is a three month individual coaching program where I will take you through an arc of an experience to help make sense of a mindfuck of a confusing relationship, process the feelings so that you can actually heal and become the best version of yourself. So, that you don't have to experience painful love ever again. This program includes an educational component with modules and videos and action oriented homework. There's also some guided journeys, guided meditations in there for your benefit. It also includes individual sessions where we are really going to deeply process what has happened and give you that space to regulate your nervous system to create that relationship with your inner child and really move some of this stuckness that you're feeling. And then you also get accountability support, real time. So when you get that message from your ex, who, who do you reach out to? Who can help you make that, make that decision on what to say or what not to say? So having that real-time support to help you interrupt the reflex that you have been in. But most importantly, this is a container to hold you while you process what's happened and step into what's next i really want you to feel safe and supported to say the thing that is too embarrassing and too shameful in your mind to say to your friends and family maybe you don't have anybody else that you can share these things with and in the safety you'll find healing So again, this promo runs for all of December, $200 off this three-month program. The first step is to schedule a free session so that we can get to know one another and see if this is going to be a good fit for you. And I want you to just imagine and envision this life where you feel so fulfilled and secure in yourself on your own, freeing you to then confidently choose a partner who can align with you in your life, and celebrate the woman that you are, because you deserve that, and it's so waiting for you. The link to the free session and to the Awakening program is in the show notes below, so be sure to check it out. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Lucid Living with Brie. Learn to live and love awake. I'm your host, Brie Walta, and today we're talking about boundaries and nervous system regulation. Two of my favorite things, because these go exactly hand in hand, we need nervous system regulation in order to set healthy boundaries. But first, let's just talk about what the hell boundaries are. Okay, whenever that word comes up, I know in my history, I was like, I would cringe a little. I'm like, I don't want to set boundaries. Boundaries are mean. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to do it wrong. You know, whatever the whatever the story was in my head. And when I learned what boundaries actually were, and started setting them with people who could hear what I was saying and weren't using them to manipulate me, it became really apparent that boundaries are good. And now I like setting boundaries. I like when my friends set boundaries. I like when my partner sets boundaries. And there's a saying that boundaries, boundaries see boundaries or boundaries understand boundaries. So if I am practicing setting boundaries for myself and I have a friend politely de- decline a invite to a party and they're just like i've really i'm really overwhelmed i can't i love you and i can't come i'm like yeah girl take care of yourself yes set that boundary take care of yourself versus somebody who doesn't recognize boundaries might take that really offensively might be really upset with the person might give you the silent treatment whatever so when you start to set boundaries you'll also see very clearly that other type of people that you have in your life and whether they're setting boundaries or not. So I quote Glennon Doyle often on this podcast because I love how she describes everything. I mean, mental health in general, she's very open and vulnerable about her story with mental health and an eating disorder, but she talks about boundaries very clearly. And the way that she describes it is boundaries are just an expression of needs and expectations that are necessary for you to feel safe and supported. So that's it. We're just expressing what we need, what we expect of people in order for me to feel the most safe and supported. And I would add loved into that. What do I need and what do I expect from people in order to feel loved, especially in loving relationships? So let's talk about some of the misconceptions around boundaries because we first have to Take out that in order to insert what a boundary actually is. And then I'll give you some examples of how to set boundaries. So, the misconceptions that I hear most often are they're mean, they hurt people, and they don't work. So, let's start with they're mean. I know I believed this. I know I believed if I set a boundary, I was the bitch, I was the ice queen. But boundaries are actually the kindest thing that you can do the kind of thing that you can set in the relationship. Because if I'm setting a boundary, I'm protecting myself and I'm protecting you from my growing resentment that will inevitably come if I'm not setting boundaries. So, which then protects the relationship because my resentment won't come out sideways. We won't get into a fight and maybe break up over something stupid. So when I set a boundary to protect myself, I'm protecting you. I'm protecting the relationship. And that's kind because the alternative is to not have a boundary. And let's say you're in sort of your people-pleasing mode. You're doing everything for your partner. You're doing everything for your kids. You're doing everything for your friends. You are burning the candle at both ends. You're running faster. You're doing more. You're multitasking the laundry and the dishes and the cooking and the cleaning and listening to your podcast and trying to learn something, you know, you're just doing it all. Whereas if you were setting a boundary around that, perhaps it was asking to have a need met for your kids to, to help with something or your partner to help with something, or maybe it's an internal boundary for you to just stop doing all the things all the time. Whatever the case is, if I'm running in that energy and I'm not setting a boundary. Secretly in my mind, I'm resenting every single person that's not reading my mind and stepping in to help me. So if if I am cooking dinner and trying to listen to a podcast and trying to finish my work for the day and handle the kids and my partner doesn't see that I need help, I'm going to resent him for not seeing that, which is not fair because as adults... We are responsible for communicating what we need. So I'm going to have this secret resentment grow. Something is going to happen, probably unrelated to the kids or the cooking. That's going to set me over the edge. I'm going to yell. He's going to yell. It's going to turn into a yelling match. And then something's going to happen. That's not, not what you want. Okay. So we think we're being kind by doing all for everybody or by not speaking up when something hurt our feelings or not asking for what we need but we're just building resentment that's going to come out later. It's going to hurt the other person. It's going to hurt the relationship. So boundaries aren't mean. They are the kindest thing that you can do in your relationship to keep it very transparent and healthy. And so the other people in the relationship, your kids or your partner or your family, understand where you are, what you need, and how they can help. So people who love us want to help us. And if you were to think about a friend of yours coming to you and being like, oh my gosh, Bree, I really need some help with this, this thing. I'm really exhausting myself. I'd be like, yeah, let me, what can I do? So allowing people in to help us is also very kind to ourselves. The second misconception is that they hurt people. That if I set a boundary, I am being I'm being malicious. I'm intentionally causing pain. And yes, you may set a boundary that the other person doesn't like. You may set a boundary that upsets somebody who maybe doesn't believe the same thing that you do or doesn't want to see the mirror that's been putting that is being put up to their face around what they're doing to hurt you. That may cause them to be angry for sure, definitely might. But you aren't causing pain. By you speaking your need or speaking your want, again, you're being kind in the relationship. And if their reaction is anger or sadness, then their reaction is for them to to hold, to find support around, to feel to process, to integrate, and then to bring back their experience to talk about with you, if that's appropriate in the situation. So you aren't, by setting a boundary, there can be fear that the other person's going to be upset. And this is where the nervous system regulation comes in that we're going to talk about uh, later in this episode, because I need to be able to sit with the discomfort of you being upset without jumping in to fix it or jumping in to take back my boundary Or to say, never mind, I don't actually need that, or never mind, I'll actually be able to do all the things, don't worry about it. If I can't sit in the discomfort of you not being comfortable in whatever your experience is, then I can't set boundaries. There's no way. There's no way. So, knowing that by you coming to a conclusion around what you need in order to feel safe, supported, and loved is valid, and requesting that of somebody else is not you hurting them it's not you trying to be mean or punish or manipulate it's just you asking for what you need in order to feel safe supported and loved their reactions are their responsibility especially with adults so your adult partner your adult parents your adult siblings your adult friends everybody is responsible for their own feelings their own reactions They're responsible for understanding them. They're responsible for feeling them. They're responsible for then taking action aligned with what they need because of their reaction or because of their experience. So you can just take all of that micromanaging off your plate because that's not yours. It's a nut. It's a full fucking time job to do this for yourself, to be able to consciously understand your feelings, express them and get your needs met. So. Take that responsibility off that you need to do it for everybody in your life. I know it feels counterintuitive. I know you want to be there for people, but you can support people in a way that's not fixing them. If you are familiar with the drama triangle, the codependency drama triangle, we know that we can fall into the rescuer role, the victim role, and the persecutor role. And we dance around this triangle with other people. And when we have been the rescuer long enough, then we turn into the victim of, oh, why do I have to do everything? And then once we're there for a little while, we're like, fuck you guys, I have to do everything. And we turn into the persecutor. And then we just keep going around this circle or this triangle rather. The flip side of that is the empowerment dynamic. So changing from the rescuer to the coach, where in your relationships, instead of rushing in to save somebody from the the anger they're feeling or the frustration they're feeling. Let's use the party example, right? You say, "Bria, I, I'm so sorry. I can't, I just can't come. I'm I'm too burnt out to come to your party. And I'm like, well, fuck you. Like, that's not fair. I come to all of your things. Me being able to sit with that anger and you not jumping in to rescue my anger, but instead coming at it from a coach lens where we can empower our friends and our partners and our colleagues and whoever we're in relationship with to better understand maybe where the trigger is coming from, better understand their, you know, their empowerment around how they can handle the situation, but it's not our, it's not ours to fix. Okay. So you're not hurting people. You might cause your boundary, your need might cause something in another person, but that is theirs. The third misconception is that they don't work, period. So I have clients that say this to me all of the time. They're like, Bree, I'm trying. I build up the courage. I set the boundary and it doesn't work, which points to me that it's not a boundary. It was a request because boundaries don't work or don't work. I mean, boundaries (laughs) don't not work or work. That sounds weird to say out loud. Um, They just are this is my boundary, and this is how I follow through with my boundary. It's not dependent on the other person doing anything. So first of all, you have to follow through with what you say you'll do if the other person continues whatever behavior isn't feeling aligned for you. Um, But let's talk about what an example is of a request versus a boundary. So a boundary is stating what you need and what you'll do if that need isn't met. So it's what it's what I need and what I'm going to do. See how the control is in my, my, my area that whole time? You can continue to do whatever you're doing, but if you do, then I'm going to do this. It's not trying to force somebody to change. It's not trying to manipulate them or give them an ultimatum. It's just saying, if you continue this thing, then I'm going to have to do this to protect myself or to feel safe or to feel loved or supported. So let's give an example let's say you identify first of all side note you need to know what your needs are so go back to the episode a couple of episodes before this um around trying to figure out what your needs are and how you can do that how you can how you can be in a healthy relationship after a toxic one is the name of the episode and in that we talk about needs and knowing what your needs are so Let's say you identify that you've just broken up with your partner and you really need your ex to not contact you. You don't want him to reach out to you. You don't want to talk to him. You don't want to have another conversation to try to make it work. You need space so that you can feel safe, so that you can focus on yourself, so that you can move on, whatever the reason is. And let's say you say, stop reaching out to me. And he keeps reaching out to you and you say, stop reaching out to me. And he keeps reaching out to you. So stop reaching out to me as a request. A boundary would be if you continue to reach out, I will block you. He can reach out or not, but if he continues, that's what you are going to do. Do you see how that's not manipulating him to, to stop? It's, it's not dependent on him doing it or not. Therefore, it it works all of the time as long as you follow through with the blocking. So if you feel like your boundaries aren't working, you're either requesting or you're not following through on the boundary that you said that you would set. Another example that is um, more of speaking a need, which is a boundary, but more of speaking a need in a relationship. Let's say that you... I've identified that you need help cooking dinner tonight because you need to get this project finished. You can't do both of the things. And so when you're talking to your partner, being able to express, hey, I'm unable to make dinner tonight and would love if you could come home early to help. And if not, everybody's just going to have to fend for themselves tonight. I'm I'm not able to cook. Not saying something like, I'm drowning and you never help me and you don't see me, you don't care about me, you know, and resenting, resenting them for not reading your mind or just trying to do both and then resenting them later. So the boundary here is like, this is what I need. And it'd be great if you can come home and help. And if you can't, I still am unable to make dinner. We're going to, we're going to have to fend for ourselves tonight going to be an egg and it's going to be breakfast for dinner or whatever so speaking your needs in a way that shows people what you what you're going to do to get that need met not forcing them to change not forcing them to somehow acquiesce to what you're saying Every, giving everybody free will right he can continue to reach out to you and if he does you're going to block him so boundaries Take practice. Boundaries bring up a lot because, especially as women in society and in our upbringing and in our generational trauma experience, <laughs> we've been really conditioned to not really have boundaries, to not really have needs, to be the one that's taking care of the family and the house and the spouse and ourselves. <laughs> you know, often ourselves are last. And now that we as women are in the workforce, which mind you, is not that long ago that we entered the workforce trying to make our own money and still trying to hold the entire home system. It's like it's becoming too much. And the 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 experiences and what's happening in the home life need to be given to other people. We need to ask for help. We need to identify where we can receive that support and not try to do it all on our own. Because I know that speaking your needs and sharing what's happening in your mind isn't something that oftentimes I hear I hear clients say, I don't want to have to tell him. I don't want to have to tell him to, to empty the dishwasher. I don't want to have to tell him that what he said was hurtful. And the reality is, You have to, you have to tell, you have to share what's true for you because they can't read your mind. Everybody is experiencing life in their own lens, through their own lenses, through their own stories. So me seeing the dishwasher full and my partner seeing the dishwasher full, we're making understanding of that in two different ways. Okay. So in order to share the stories that are, that you're, that are happening in your head, Again, we talk a lot about stories in that episode around how to have a healthy relationship after a toxic one. How do we communicate effectively? (laughs) Comes down to that, okay? Allowing your partner into your mind and them for you so that we can all be on the same page around what's happening and resentments aren't growing. Okay, so in order to feel more comfortable setting boundaries. And in order to shift really this, this energy of I don't have needs. I'm not important. My voice doesn't matter to I do have needs. I am important. What I say matters. And I'm going to allow you to have your experience with whatever is the consequence of that. We have to regulate our nervous system because boundaries invite us to choose our internal peace over external peace. And that's really uncomfortable if we have spent our lives keeping the peace. Perhaps you are the people pleaser. Perhaps you're the rescuer. Perhaps you had a very responsible role as a child where you were taking care of a sibling or a parent or otherwise felt like you had to keep it all together. If that's so, that's a skill that you have really learned and you've really learned how to be vigilant and externally focused on other people and what they need and have probably really lost touch with what you need. So as you start to come into what you need and what you want and what you value, and again, I have a full self-guided course that can help walk you through how to find yourself again is what the name of the course what your values are, what your needs are, what your wants are. And I'll link that in the show notes. But as you're starting to come back into yourself, you're going to have to start articulating these things to other people and your internal peace being the priority. Meaning that that might cause some turbulence in the ex- external world. It might, your partner might be upset with you. Your partner might need some space. Your mom might not talk to you for a little while. Your whatever whatever the case is we want to be able to sit with the feelings and sit with other people having their feelings so that we're not knee jerking back into taking back our our need or our boundary not saying never mind never mind just kidding or okay I'll go okay I know you really want me to come to this party okay I'll go or saying it's fine I'm fine whatever it's fine Okay, we don't want to, we won't don't want to fall back asleep into those patterns. So for instance, if your boundary is that you'd want to go no contact with your partner, your ex partner, and you start to feel these feelings of feeling really alone, and that that causes you to reach out to him for that moment of connection, that's gonna cause a downward spiral of things that you now have to deal with because. The, the idea of sitting alone or sitting in your aloneness was too hard to, to feel. So we want to expand your capacity for that discomfort. One of the ways that I do that with clients is using a tool called EFT tapping. EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. And at the very, very basic, simplest way of explaining it, it helps take you from your triggered state. the calm state. So throughout life, throughout our day, we're getting thrown off of our equilibrium. We're getting triggered in little moments from the email to the thought about whatever our the project that's almost due the phone call from our boss, whatever it is, it's it throws us out, creates this a little bit of panic, a little bit of stress, being able to regulate that to come back into a calm state. EFT is a body centered tool. So we're using the body to help signal to the mind that we are in fact safe, that there's not a bear running at us, that we can calm, that the the nervous system can calm. And we do that by literally tapping on, activating these points on our face and our torso, which send that signal to the brain that the body is safe. Because when we're in the heightened stress response, our amygdala is firing. And our amygdala is like the the security camera of our body, of our experience. It's scanning for danger. It sees the lion coming. It activates to send all of your, all of the blood to the appropriate muscles that you can fight, flight, freeze, or fawn in order to survive. So when the amygdala is on, we have four options. Fight, flight, freeze, and fawn, which are not a lot of options, especially if we're trying to problem solve or make sense of something. So we need to bring that activation out of the amygdala, out of the reptilian brain, so that we have access to all of our brain, the rational part, the emotional part, the limbic brain, all of these other higher, higher consciousness parts of our brain to help us be able to understand the feeling and then be able to take appropriate action so that we're not, again, moving from that trauma response. So we want to interrupt this this emotional cycle. So when we have something that that happens in the external environment, say you got the email from somebody who didn't want to get an email from, automatically you start sweating your heart starts racing okay that's a habitual response that's a that's a somatic response I didn't stop and think of oh my heart should start racing and I should start sweating that just happens and associated with that is a belief or a fear that's typically from some part of our traumatic past which is connected with this experience of receiving the email so feeling the heart palpitations, feeling the sweating. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, I did it wrong. I'm failing. That's, that's the belief where I go. And then to try to solve said fear of failing, I move faster. I send more emails. I try to do more. I try to prove my worthiness to my boss, whatever it is, which doesn't really heal or, or tend to the part of me who's feeling really afraid. It just amps her up. So you stay in this cycle, you stay in the cycle of then not feeling he, not feeling tended to, which feeds back into this loop of I'm a failure. Nobody loves me, whatever the belief is. So we need to get out of that, that cycle, the cycle that we are stuck, that we're stuck in. So it helps to, helps to regulate the nervous system enough so that you can, between the stimulus, the email and your response, you can soothe the nervous system so that you're not reacting in the same well-grooved pathway in your brain. Another example that we can use going back to the relationship um, dynamic, let's say that your partner sends you a message that you won't be able to, that he won't be able to come home for dinner. And let's say that it was his night to cook. So it leaves dinner to you. All of a sudden you get this lump in your throat, panic feeling, and your immediate reaction is to not say anything, to isolate, to be passive aggressive, and push him farther away, which confirms that you're not loved and he isn't a teammate. He doesn't really care about you. So... Instead, what we want, what the ideal scenario would be, would be to receive the text message, feel that anxiety and that panic, recognize that you have anxiety and panic in your body, tap, be able to regulate the nervous system, bring the anxiety and the panic back down so that you can rationally see, okay, there's a part of me who just got activated, who's really afraid that I'm not important in this relationship. I see her. I see her fear. I understand that her fear is really valid because in past relationships or maybe in childhood, she didn't feel important. I see you, girl. I got you. I know this is scary. I know you're activated. I'm here for you. We're going to get through this together. We know that our partner loves us dearly and just got caught up at work. Okay, so being able to tend to that part of you instead of that part of you driving the passive aggressiveness, isolation, and further reinforcing her belief that she's not important and that he doesn't care. That's how we heal. Those moments of sitting with our inner children, our inner parts, soothing, reinforcing, reminding, nurturing. So EFT helps us to, helps us to come into that more neutral place so that we can tend to that the child that's screaming in the corner, okay? If you think about that very literally, if you're a parent and your child is screaming in the corner, leaving them alone is probably not going to help their screaming. Instead, scooping them up and saying, I see you, I know you're so upset, tell me what happened, is probably going to make them feel more supported and loved. So that's what we need to do with our inner parts and tapping helps us to bring the system into a place to access that. Another thing that um, tapping does is actually activates our hippocampus. So you can tap on your own, and I'm going to show you how to do that here in just a second, and you can also tap um, with a practitioner. And when you're tapping with a practitioner, and sometimes on your own, but a practitioner can more um, intentionally guide you into some of these places, it's activating your hippocampus. So as we are signaling to the body that we're safe, as we're tuning in with what's present in this moment in your body and in your mind. So if you're feeling anxiety, where are you feeling it in your body? What are the thoughts associated with that in your mind? We're really giving space and curiosity to the body sensation, the the mind experience, because when we give something space, It allows it to move. That's why it's called emotional freedom techniques. We're trying to move these emotions, not not turn our blind eye and compact them and stuff them down into our bodies, which is what we do because we don't like to feel emotions. Um, Really trying to also help yourself see that the emotions that are denser, the experience of them are heavier. So the sadness, anger, frustration, betrayal, hopelessness, anxiety, those feelings have a denser vibration, very literally. So in our body, if we feel heavy uh, versus happiness, joy, peace, freedom, connection, right? Those those emotions feel lighter. They feel better. So we tend to want those. We tend to run away from the other. So tapping helps us feel safe, give space specifically to these feelings that are denser that are causing our nervous system to, to escalate or, or decompress. Bringing space, bringing understanding. And by activating the hippocampus, it's actually helping us make those connection points to what's happening now and where that came from. The memories associated with that sensation in our body or that um, feeling that we're having. So if you, pretty consistently get that lump in your throat, there's, there's information there. So tapping helps us to be able to, again, bring space to these sensations and get curious and make sense of them. And as we make sense of them, we create this deeper connection with our inner child and we can better heal those deep rooted beliefs. So I want to show you the tapping points because this is something that you can use whenever, all of the time. Whenever you get triggered, whenever you are anything that's not calm centered, higher self energy, okay? It's super simple. I have a full tapping tutorial video on YouTube that I'll link in the show notes, show notes so that you can reference that as well. If you get tripped up on the words, like, that's fine. <laughs> tapping is better. Tapping and saying whatever you're saying is better than no tapping at all. It's not an exact science. It just gives you a framework to work through. So, if you can see me visually, I'll show you visually. Also, I'll cue you audibly if you're just listening to this podcast. Um, but the first point that we use is on the side of the hand. So, right the squishy part right underneath your pinky, this is the karate chop point. So, you would just take your opposite hand and gently tap on the side of your other hand. As you share, what is happening. So we call this a setup statement. And that just means that we are setting up the tapping round. I'm going to identify what I'm feeling in my body and what is happening in my mind. And I'm just going to say it out loud. And I'm going to repeat that three times. So the example we'll, we'll use is, let's say, let's say you have to set a boundary and you're feeling really afraid that you're going to hurt the other person or the other person's going to be upset with you. And when you think about setting this boundary, you get the lump in your throat, you get a tightness, a tightness in your chest. And when you're identifying the sensation, you really want to be able to give it a scale or a number on a scale of one to 10. So let's say the thought of setting this boundary and having to potentially upset somebody I'm at about an eight of discomfort. I feel the lump in my throat. I feel that the tightness in my chest at about an eight. So I'm just going to speak that out loud. And the setup statement starts, in, or it has two parts, even though I'm feeling what I'm feeling, I choose to stay present with this sensation. And by choosing to stay present, again, we're opening the space for the movement. So, repeating after me, even though I'm feeling this anxiety about setting the boundary, and I have a lump in my throat and my chest is tight, I choose to stay present with what I'm feeling. Even though I'm so anxious about setting this boundary, and I can barely talk with this lump in my throat and this anxiety in my chest, but I choose to stay present with what I'm feeling. Even though the thought of setting this boundary is terrible and I have so much anxiety. I'm so afraid I'm going to hurt the other person. I choose to stay present with this sensation. And then we move up to the reminder points. So again, we're just naming what is present. The first reminder point is your eyebrow. So right where your hair starts on your inner eyebrow, you use two fingers to tap right where that hair hair starts. And just naming this anxiety that I'm feeling. And then we come to the side of the eye right where your temple is, that kind of squishy part, right behind your eye bone, this tightness in my chest. Then we come under the eye, right below the pupil. I'm so afraid to hurt his feelings. Then we come under the nose, this anxiety in my throat. We come to the chin, right where that crease is below your lip, all of this anxiety in my body. Then we come to the collarbones right underneath your bone and that kind of squishy part, the natural place where your hand would land if you flop it up. (laughs) Again, repeating, I'm so afraid that I'm going to hurt this person when I set this boundary. Then we come under the arm. So if you are wearing a bra, it's right in line with your bra line right underneath your armpit. If you're a male, it's right in line with your nipple you just lightly pat that you can do all of these points with either hand you can switch hands you can do one hand you can do both hands except for the under the nose and the chin those are unilateral but again under the arm just just naming i'm feeling this tightness in my chest and this lump in my throat then the top of your head all of this anxiety that i'm feeling around setting this boundary and then you come back put your hand on your chest Take a deep breath and just tune back into the number on a scale of one to 10. Did the, did the lump in your throat shift? Did the tightness in your chest shift? And we do that round as many times as we need to, in order to feel the activation go from distressing to calm. So often clients will ask me like, how do I know when I'm done? (laughs) And it's when when you find yourself saying less of what is irritating or anxious provoke anxiety provoking or frustrating and more of like okay I can see how this connects I see this younger part of me when you can start to be able to access the more calm connected part of yourself that's how you know that you're moving the distress down and Again, the, the point of tapping is to not get rid of something. It's just to make space to get curious and move that energy. So sometimes when we start making space for the tightness in our throat or the, our chest, it can get worse. It can go higher on the scale. And we're like, what the heck? I thought this was supposed to go away. But sometimes we need to give it space and we need to let it bubble up all the way in order to move it through. So it's part of trusting your body, trusting the process, giving yourself the space and the time to really tap in, literally tap into yourself to help regulate yourself. I'll give an example, a real, real life example of what this just happened to me. Um, So mind you, this is a continual thing. This isn't like something you do a couple of times and then don't do again. You just get more skilled at recognizing your trigger, sitting with yourself and bringing it down. Um, I had a conversation that during the conversation, I felt myself dissociating. It was around trying to understand some information that I'm not versed in, and I need to make a big decision around this thing. And I felt my my trigger wound of feeling really inadequate and dumb came up and making the wrong decision. And I felt myself in this conversation really dissociating and feeling panic So after I got off the phone, I sat and I started tapping and I started crying. And I, the little, the little voice of mine, my little girl was talking about how she was afraid she was going to make the wrong decision and how she was going to fail. And this was going to be bad. And how is she ever going to decide? And as I tapped and as she cried, I felt that, that wave of calm come. Whereas if I didn't give that space to, to validate this fear that comes from a very real wound of mine in my past. If I didn't give that space, I would have just tried to stuff it down. And then I would have been working irritable. I would have been not quite fully, fully um, engaged with clients that I'm trying to hold space for. So for me specifically, it's so important to to move and process my own feelings and my own experiences so that I can hold safe space so that my clients never feel like they're taking care of me, that's really important for me. But this skill is good for you, whether or not you hold space. For you to just be able to sit and like let the emotion fully move, instead of putting a Band-Aid over the bullet wound and trying to go about your day, but you're bleeding all over the place, makes a better experience for you. So I've had clients be able to tap through their loneliness and their longing. Let's say when they see their ex on Instagram and maybe he has a new girlfriend and he looks really happy and that makes them feel really alone and really like, oh no, did I make the wrong decision? And oh no, he's he's the the healed person now and I did all the work to get him there and oh, like longing. So instead of reaching out to him or in beating themselves up, they're able to sit with their feelings. Whereas if they reach out, it's going to start a cascade of other things they have to deal with, right? They know that the relationship wasn't serving them. They know they don't want to be in it, but that one moment of longing is enough to get you to reach out to the person. So expanding the tolerance for that discomfort. I've had clients who have started dating again and tap through their anxiety when they come to the point in the relationship where they have to speak up or say something that's really important to them that they're not sure how the other person is going to receive it and tapping and being with that and tending to their little girl helps them to be able to come into more of a neutral place to a articulate clearly and b articulate at all because often their pattern, their default is to just stay quiet to not have needs to feel like they don't matter. And then they'll build the resentment. And then we go back into the whole problem of hoping people can read our mind. So they're able to handle their anxiety, to sit with it, to understand it, to comfort it, and then do the scary thing anyway, because it's expansive in their growth. And they know they need to in order to have a healthy relationship. I've had clients who I laugh because I felt this really hard as I was exiting my last relationship feeling anger around how could this person mistreat me so badly? How could this person be doing these horrific things, the injustice around it and wanting them to see and wanting them to take accountability and wanting them to give me and us, right? Me and my clients give us this sense of, I'm sorry. I I see how badly I hurt you. And the truth is, especially if you're dealing with narcissistic people you're never going to get that from them. And so I I tell my clients even if you think you're reaching out and initiating conversation in order to stick it to them you're feeding the beast, right? Especially with narcissistic people, whenever we feed into them emotionally, it validates that they have control of us, it validates that they are getting validation that that they they are in control and therefore are getting validation and it just feeds the beast. So it doesn't matter what you're saying. It just matters that you're emotionally activated because they still have their hook in you. So being able to sit with your anger and sit with your feelings of injustice and process them instead of reaching out to him to make him try to see or understand is going to help you detach and not feed the beast and or stay to your gray rocking or stay to your no contact or whatever your plan is. But our emotions can be big drivers in our life. So if we don't take the time to become aware of what is driving our, our behavior, then we're going to continue in that asleep pattern. Carl Jung has a quote that says, until you make the unconscious conscious, It will direct your life and you will call it fate. And that is so true because 95% of our, our brain and our operation in this world comes from our subconscious place. 95%. So if we're not aware of what's down there, that's a little scary. That's a little like who is actually behind who's the wizard behind this curtain So getting to know these parts, these wounded places, this trauma, and awareness is the greatest thing. That's why I call myself a relationship clarity coach, because finding clarity around not only a relationship and what that was, but around yourself and how you tick and how you operate and what causes what and why and how to clearly sit with the parts of you who really need you instead of pushing them away. It gives you so much power over yourself and over your life. So I know it can feel scary to look at these things sometimes to be in the place where you're really ready to see your part in some of the dysfunction around not setting boundaries or how you weren't really able to regulate your anger Or your loneliness and that was the driver behind a lot of your choices it's hard to take accountability and it's hard to see and if you're on this journey you're you're doing work for the brave soul this is not easy none of this is easy a lot of this is painful a lot of this takes a lot of time so if you're new to setting boundaries and if maybe nervous system regulation wasn't really on your radar until this podcast. Like, compassion, compassion, compassion for yourself on your journey. This is information for you to then be able to take and start to bring more awareness into these places in your life to help bring awareness to maybe you need more support, to maybe that you need to shift something, or maybe it's an aha for you of like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I thought I was setting a boundary, but I was only making requests. No wonder this feels defeating. My hope is that this is helpful to you on some level. And know that shifting these patterns, if you've been in them for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, is going to take more than a podcast. Okay? So reach out to me, to another professional who can hold space for you, somebody who can help you make sense of this stuff and be able to Untangle a lot of what's what we've what we've tied together. At the beginning of this episode, you heard that I have a holiday special. So if you feel called to reach out to me to explore what work working together can look like, my holiday promo is two hundred dollars off my private coaching container called Awakening. And true to the name, it's helping you to awaken back into who you really are outside of the default programming, outside of the relationships that feel like shit, helping you come home, make sense, find clarity, so that you have all of the awareness and insight and tools so that you don't have to go back into painful relationships. There's a link for a free session in the show notes. That's the first step. Reach out to me and we can, well, you can schedule that and then I'll get to meet you. Um, And know that I honor... I honor what it takes for you to make that step, to actually schedule a free call, to go through all of the fear that's coming up around what happens when I actually look at this stuff. What if, if I start feeling things that's never going to stop? How could I share with Bree some of these crazy things that I've been going through in my relationship when everybody's made me feel so shameful and embarrassed about why I've stayed or why I've gone back? what I can say is that I've been there and there's nothing that a client has told me that I haven't thought done or considered in my own experience so my passion for this work is really to walk with you through the fire because I've been there and I wish I had somebody like me when I was going through my experience trying to make sense of it and trying to find myself again so I love, I love it. I love what I do. I love the women that I get to work with. So if that speaks to you, I'd love to give you a free session. The $200 off is good through December. So this is a good time as we're moving into the darkest months of the year to do a little introspection, to turn inward, do some tending, drop into your feminine and really give yourself that space. So until next time, until the next episode, wishing you all the best. Know that you're not alone. I'll see you next time.